Morning, Christ Point. How are you doing this morning? Good. That was just okay. Um, my name is James. I have the great joy and privilege of being the pastor here at Christ Point Church. If you are watching online this morning, I want to welcome you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you are here live and in person, if I could invite you uh, to scan the QR code on the connection card that was on your seat uh, or on your pew or on your table this morning, we'd love to know that you were here this morning. And if you are interested in finding out more information about what is taking place at Christ Point in the days ahead, uh, that is probably the best way to do it. I want to let you know about a couple of exciting things we have coming up right around the corner. October the 3rd, we are going to have an outdoor service uh, at our new house on our new land, uh, right over my right shoulder, to my right, to your left. Uh, we want to show you uh, the house that Christ Point recently built. It's our office space. It's a gathering place for our students, for our women, for our men. We want to celebrate and give thanks to God for uh, the good work that he has done. And so bring a lawn chair October the 3rd uh, over by the house. If you need directions, uh, they certainly will be provided in the days ahead. I also want to remind you that we are working toward 500 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child this year. Uh, you have been incredibly generous in uh, providing all of the materials that we need, our wow items over the course of the last number of months. Uh, you stepped up and came forward and brought those. Uh, now we are looking for boxes. I know last week we may have mentioned that we're looking for uh, the filler items for that. Um, that, was a, that was a joke gone terribly wrong. Um, all we need are boxes for large wow items. And so a wow item is a, an item that we bring that can't fit into the typical box that OCC provides. And so if you have a cool pair of Jordans and you wear like a size 14 shoe, um, go ahead and bring that box to church and we will use that uh, to send out uh, those materials and hopefully, by God's grace, change the life of a child uh, forever, which is pretty cool to think about. Uh, here at Christ Point, we exist to point people to Jesus. It is our heartbeat. One of the ways that we do that is by engaging all people. We do that both locally and globally. An organization that we've had an opportunity to get to know now for a little while is One Seven. They are in uh, our own backyard in Charlotte. If you are not familiar with One Seven, why they exist or what they do, I want to draw your attention to the screen. Watch this five-minute video, and then I'm going to invite up a friend, and she's going to tell you more about it. So watch this. your attention please if this is your first time here at 17 please come and step into this middle we got the name from the bible from jeremiah chapter 1 verse 7 you sense this unity we have a bond beyond our skin color or the way that we look or dress each and every life that has been here has been impacted 17 is 100% about making disciples relationally seven days a week. So we believe at 1-7 that every child, no matter what their age, is a leader. Every child has a specific purpose. And so we have staff members that have actually come up through the ministry and now they're in their 20s. And they disciple high school kids who disciple middle school kids who disciple elementary school age kids. 1-7 has been a light and a refuge in a neighborhood that is just filled with darkness. At 1-7, we have 18 apartments where all sorts of families from different countries have come out of persecution, running from war, 
victims of violent crimes. I mean, the kids are coming from shocking events that have occurred in their life and still going through that healing. I was born in Thailand. When we came to America, my mom still didn't know how to speak English. My dad did, and he worked. But then he died in a car accident. Since my mom was without a husband and we were without a father, she got remarried. Then one day she got shot by my stepdad. Thankfully, God came with one seven and God saved us. Here at One Seven, we could give these families the support that they need. We have a lot of kids that struggle in school. So we have our after-school program. We have one of our staff that is connected with all the teachers from the middle school, elementary, high school, and we've helped them go into college. You know, we're able to walk them through life, involve God in everything. We always try to do our best to be there for them. We become one family. When I was younger, I came to the United States with my family as a refugee. Through unfortunate circumstances, I became homeless, and the leadership on 1-7 brought me in. Living at the apartments, there's a court where every night, it's like almost magically coming together and just making pickup teams and playing for hours there is something that all of us can relate to. We have kids that even in their wildest dreams, they wouldn't set foot in a church, but they would have gone to field. And so with soccer, we are able to show them the love of Christ. After each game, win or lose, our captain asks the other team if he can share his testimony with them and asks if they can pray together. We get kids who are encouraged to seek a relationship with Christ. People in the stands that are just astonished that such moment could take place on a field. Our players have won three U.S. Club National Championships, signed professional contracts, and earned college scholarships. But most importantly, we've given these kids an opportunity to have a real relationship with Christ. You have a role to play on the field. And because this is a ministry, you have a role to play off the field. That had a big impact on my life and my walk with Jesus Christ. So our dream and our passion is for these kids, children from all nations, they will meet Christ, that their lives will be changed, and that they will go out and reproduce themselves into the lives of other kids. And we have seen the fruit we hope that we change our street. We hope that we change the schools around us. We hope we literally change our city, not just talking about it, but actually producing kids that will go out and leave the world speechless.
pretty cool. Uh, we are honored this morning to have with us Kaiza from 1-7. Kaiza, if you could come up, we are excited to hear more about this great ministry right in our own backyard. It's good to see you this morning. How is it being uh, on, on my turf instead of me being on your turf? Very different. It's a little different. It's a little different. Uh, it's great to have you this morning. I was wondering if you could, I know the video talks some about 1-7 and about one, what 1-7 is about, but I was wondering and hoping that you could share a little bit more about the ministry, uh, why you exist, what do you do? Uh, first off, thank you guys for having us today. We are super honored to be here and thankful for all you guys as, as a church has done for us thus far, and we're excited for this partnership that's just getting started, and we're excited to see where it takes us. And um, So as you saw from the video, we're a nonprofit ministry here located on the east side of Charlotte, um, and we help immigrants and refugees and moms and their children coming from domestic abuse situations. Um, we've been doing this for over 12 years now, and we've seen many lives come to know Jesus and to get off the streets and do something purposeful with their life, find their meaning in Jesus, and um, change the history of their family for years to come. And so um, we have an 18-unit apartment complex at 1-7 where we house families coming from various different situations that would just blow your minds if you ever spoke to them. And um, so that is a huge part of what we do. We help with meals, we help the children with after school and tutoring and developing life skills that will help them in the future. Um, many of our families don't know English and so 1-7 has always been a place where they can come and seek resources and find help um, where oftentimes they wouldn't. And so um, we also, as you can tell, we have a nationally ranked soccer academy where um, boys that don't know English but they know soccer will come in and will be involved in something that's far greater than a game. And so we use soccer as a tool to love on these children that many oftentimes than not don't have families that are there for them or don't have the support system back at home where they use soccer as a tool to be able to achieve different life goals that they have, whether it's finding a full-time job after high school, graduating from high school, going to college and playing soccer, or signing a professional contract, um, which is all things that we've done to be able to help our players succeed in the real world and gain different skills that they want to have apart from, apart from us. Yeah, I love what you guys do. I don't know if I ever told you, but I actually have some eligibility remaining. Mm. Um, I'm pretty flexible. Yeah, we're going to see what we can do then. Yeah, please, please. We can talk about it later. Okay. Uh, that's probably best. One of the questions that we like to ask uh, individuals, ministry partners, is why do you do uh, what you do? And so if I could ask you that question, why do you do what you do? Well, just to keep it short and simple, we do it to make his name known. And so doing the most tangible things we can for some of the most hopeless people we see, we come in contact every single day, giving them a meal, giving them a place to sleep and a roof over their heads, and giving them an education or something so small can go such a far away. And so um, we believe that we're here to change the, help change the lives of others and bring them closer to the Lord. And um, that starts with simple, small actions as loving your neighbor. And so um, we're located in a perfect place where we're able to love our neighbors and love them well. And so um, just providing an atmosphere where we're able to do that and show them the love of Christ, not only through our words, but through our actions. Yeah, I, I love that. And what are some of the, the significant needs or the needs that you have right now as a ministry that our people might be able to come alongside of you and, and be a part of? Yeah, for sure. So 
Right now, we have three pretty significant needs. Um, one being we're coming into a season where um, we're going to start renovating or continue renovating some of our apartments. And so the building has been there for a lot of years now. And so there are significant um, renovations that need to be made. And so we're looking for volunteers that are handy and crafty to help us with those renovations throughout the following months. Um, and also transportation. Our vans are falling apart every time we drive them. And so finding sturdy vans that will take all of our 30 kids from the apartments to church or our players to their games um, is something we're in pretty desperate need for. Um, so praying that we'll be able to find a good van. Um, and then also financially, we are in a season where it's been a little tough this month and we're just praying for people that um, who believe in us that would come alongside of us and support financially so we can continue to do what we do and love on these children. Yeah, well, we're so excited for the opportunity that we have as a church to partner with yeah. uh, with One Seven, not just financially, but also through uh, through our blood, sweat, and tears. And yeah. so we have an event on October the 16th. If you have your calendars out, circle that date. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity for roughly about 15 of our people to go and to serve and to uh, see that community down there and to be a part of what, what God is doing. And so we're honored to be uh, a part of that. We are uh, excited to see what the Lord has in store. Uh, I would love to be able to pray for you if I could, yeah. and then uh, we'll continue on our new series. God, thanks so much for uh, what you're doing in our city. I give you thanks for uh, for One Seven, for Kaiza, for the team uh, that uh, pours uh, their lives into the heart of uh, into the hearts of young men and young women uh, who, by your grace, will grow to know and to love you. Uh, Lord, I pray for uh, the needs that they have, that you would meet them in unexpected ways. Lord, I pray that you would uh, provide financially for them. I pray that you would uh, provide uh, transportation uh, for them. I pray that you would uh, provide uh, handy men and women who are able uh, to be a part of what you're doing at those apartments and uh, creating a home uh, for people who are in desperate need. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that when we were far from you, you invited us near and you drew us in and that you called us your sons and daughters. Lord, I, I give you thanks that we are still seeing that play out right before our very eyes today. Uh, God, we love you. We lo uh, thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, children, you can be dismissed to the kids' cabin. Kids can be dismissed to the kids' cabin. Bye, kids. You can stay if you want. No? Okay. It's worth a shot. Worth a shot. Uh, have you ever been late to a conversation before, uh, heard a sentence or two, assumed that you knew what was being talked about, only to realize that you had no idea what was being talked about? Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been late to a conversation before? Sometimes in our house, Melissa and I will be having a conversation and she will say something very innocent to me like, James, uh, my, my brother Todd and Emily just got back from vacation. And one of our children will shout from the room next door, we're going on vacation? Say, no, no, we're not going on vacation. Uh, you were late to the conversation. Sometimes Melissa will say, James, what are you doing today? And I'll say, Melissa, I just need to run a few errands and go get the oil changed. And one of my children will shout, you need to go get changed? No, 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 you, you missed the beginning of the conversation. And whenever you miss the beginning of the conversation and you jump into the middle of the conversation, 
oftentimes we, mi we miss uh, the very context in which the conversation is taking place. I say that because this morning we're starting a new series uh, from the Gospel of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Uh, but last time I checked, there's actually four chapters before chapter 5. And so I, I don't teach you this stuff in seminary. I counted it all by myself. And so what I want to do this morning is something a little different, a little unique. I want to give us context for the Gospel of Matthew to understand what is taking place. Uh, I want us to think together about some ways that people look at or see the Sermon on the Mount. And then I'm going to do something a little different, and I'm going to read uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing. Right, so I know what you're thinking. I was talking to my brother this morning, and I told him what we were doing, and he's like, wait a second, I drove all this way so I could hear you read? Yes, yes, you did. And so I want us to give us a picture of the Gospel of Matthew. I want us to think together about how the Sermon on the Mount is, is viewed, and then I want to read uh, the whole thing, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters uh, 5 uh, through 7. Um, the Gospels in the New Testament, gospel uh, means good news. And if you were to read through each of the Gospels, each of the Gospels shows Jesus in, in a little different light, right? They emphasize something different in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Mark, for instance, shows Jesus as a suffering servant. Uh, Mark reminds us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life is a ransom for many. Luke presents Jesus as a man that shows the humanity of Jesus, a prophet who has come to suffer and die for his people. The Gospel of John shows the deity of Jesus, the fact that Jesus existed before creation and that he is more than just a man, he is the God man. But Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, presents Jesus as a king, right? He is a king who has come uh, to usher in a new kingdom, a new way of life, a new way of doing things. And so uh, that uh, helps us as we walk through the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew points out three important facts uh, about Jesus. Number one, uh, Jesus was from the line of David. Jesus was from the line of David. If you were to read the first chapter in the book of Matthew, uh, you would read a genealogy about Jesus. Not about you, but oftentimes when we get to the genealogies in Scripture, what do we do? We skip them, right? We skip them. We just glance over them. I look at all you like spiritual people going, no, we study them. We study them. No, you don't. You pass over them, right? You're reading all these names, begat, 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 and you're like, I don't know what's going on here, and so you just pass over it. But the genealogies are important uh, because the gene genealogies are reminding the readers that Jesus uh, is from the line of David. Uh, Jesus comes as the one promised to Abraham uh, before him. And so when we read genealogies in the Gospels and we read about uh, Jesus coming from the line of David, we are reminded uh, that God is a promise-keeping God. God is a promise-keeping God. I don't know about you, but in the day and age we live in, with all of the voices uh, that are presented before us, with all of the information that we receive, sometimes it's difficult to know what we can and what we should trust. You, you, have, you ever struggle before when you 
pick up the paper or you read something online and you're going, is this, is this, is this true or, or is it not? And you're going like, I don't, I don't know what to believe. You ever struggle with that before? You ever wrestle with that before? Like, I have. Like, I can read something and go, that, that sounds pretty good. I think that's true. And, and then I can read an opposing viewpoint and go, wait a second. <laughs> that, that sounds pretty good too. And, and I don't know if what I'm hearing always is trustworthy or true. Uh, but when we know that Jesus is from the line of David, when he is the promised Messiah, when we know that a Jesus and his arrival had been promised for thousands of years and then Jesus came, uh, it reminds us that God promise, God's promises are true. Right? And we can trust him. And that's so assuring for you and for me. Not only do we, are we reminded that Jesus is the Messiah in the line of David, but we're also reminded that Jesus is a new and greater Moses. Uh, Jesus is a new and greater Moses. If you're familiar with the Old Testament of the scriptures, you know that Moses was, was uh, kind of a big deal, right? You read the story of Moses, and uh, people write books on leadership uh, studying the life of Moses. But one of the things that we see in scripture is that Moses was also a flawed character. In fact, all of the characters in scripture except for one, are flawed characters. And so, so Matthew writes about Jesus, and he wants us to know that Jesus is a new and greater Moses. Just like Moses led God's people through the wilderness to deliver them from slavery, Jesus came uh, to deliver his people from their sins. Uh, just as Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Just as Moses gave the law to God's people, Jesus came as the fulfillment of the law. And so when we read the Gospel of Matthew, all of Matthew, just like all of Scripture, is pointing us to Jesus. And lastly, uh, we are reminded in reading the book of Matthew that Jesus is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us, uh, which is a game changer, right? When life goes sideways, uh, when things are difficult, when you uh, suffer from a broken heart, when you are anxious, when you are concerned, when you are nervous about life, uh, it is important to be reminded um, that Jesus is with us. You are not alone. God is not distant. Uh, he is not detached. He is not unconcerned about your life. Um, the God of the universe is with you. And so Matthew is going to point out um, all of these things, and Matthew does it in, a, in the most unique way if you were to study the Gospel of Matthew, you would see an introduction in chapters 1 through 3, and then you would see um, the, the trial, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in the last three chapters. Uh, they serve as bookends to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, but in between those bookends, there are five uh, teaching units. There are five blocks of teaching. Um, the first one is the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And the Sermon on the Mount uh, paints us a picture uh, for who is blessed in God's kingdom, who is blessed in God's kingdom. Oftentimes we think those who are blessed are uh, the beautiful and the affluent and the rich and the influential. Um, but Jesus paints a different picture of life in his kingdom. And then in those chapters, he's going to point a picture of what does it look like uh, to live in the kingdom of God. He does that in chapters 4 through 7. And then in chapters 8 through 10, uh, Matthew tells nine stories, nine stories of people who were confronted by Jesus and had their lives, their situation changed by Christ. 
It is essentially the outworking of the kingdom of God in the hearts and lives of God's people. Right, so five teaching blocks. The first one is the Sermon on the Mount. The second one, there are nine stories that are told of people who had been changed by Jesus. Chapters 11 through 13 um, talks about how people respond to the message of Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed, but people oftentimes respond differently to the message of Christ. Some people hear the words of Jesus and they go, I'm all in. Like when he says go, I go. If he says stay, I stay. Whatever he asks me to do, I'm doing it. Uh, We see that in the Gospel of Matthew. Other people hear the words of Jesus and essentially say like, peace out. (laughs) I am not sticking around. I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with that man. And other people are undecided. Other people sit back or they stand back and they think to themselves like, who is this character? And can he be trusted? Are are the words that he's speaking, are the things that he's saying, are they true? It's interesting because it seems to me uh, that that we uh, have the same responses today. Sometimes people hear uh, the words of Jesus and they go like, I am all in. Like, I'm all in. Like, everything I have, everything that I am is his. Other people go, "Mm, thanks but no thanks. I'm out. And others, it seems, kind of sit back and go, hmm, like, interesting. Let me think about this. We read stories in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 11 through 13 of people who respond uh, differently. And then in 14 through 20, uh, we're told about uh, the expectations that people had of Jesus. Um, the Jews had particular expectations. The Gentiles had their own expectations. And we read about how people responded to the expectations of Christ. Do you ever, ever have expectations of Jesus? Do you ever think to yourself, if I follow Jesus, life is going to play out a certain way only to find out it doesn't? Do you ever want Jesus to be something that maybe he's not? Do you ever think that Jesus responds to your circumstances or situations in a way that that you would have never chosen that path. It happens um, all the time. Well, it happened in the Gospel of Matthew. The the fifth teaching block is Matthew chapter 21 through 25, and it shows these, essentially, these clashing of kingdoms, right? There's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of man. And and we see how people respond uh, to the life and to the teaching and to the work of Christ, and it is vastly uh, different. And so we're going to spend the next few months uh, camped out on that first teaching block, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon ever preached. The greatest sermon ever preached. And the reason that I can say that is because it was preached by Jesus. And even though it was the greatest sermon ever preached, it's also uh, one of the most misunderstood uh, sermons as well. I don't know if you've noticed, but people respond differently to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Some people read it and they think to themselves, well, this is kind of a a beautiful way of life. This is a good way to live. And people are inspired uh, to live according to these words, but they detach Jesus uh, from the message. Uh, Gandhi, when he read the Sermon on uh, the Mount, said that the Sermon on the Mount went straight to my heart. 
Right? It may have gone straight to his heart, but he disconnected the Sermon on the Mount from the God who was able uh, to actually change his heart. Other people look at the Sermon on the Mount and say it is an impossible ideal. Like it sounds great, it sounds lovely when you read it, but you think to yourself, when I read that, like I can't do this. There's, there's no way I can live my life like this. And so some people would suggest that the Sermon on the Mount is law that drives us to Jesus. Because we read the words, we think, I can't do this, and we run to Christ. Um, theologically, I think that's true, but I think there's more that's happening here. A third way of looking at the Sermon on the Mount is to look at it as like legalistic instructions for how to be righteous before God. In other words, if I do all of these things, God will be pleased with me and he will accept me. And some people look at the Sermon on the Mount as this legalistic document. And other people uh, would view the Sermon on the Mount and say it is a, a picture uh, for you and for me of what it looks like to live a life following Jesus for those of us who have been changed by Jesus uh, in uh, the kingdom of God. And if you're keeping track at home, think it's number four, right? So I'm just going to lay it out there and then we're going to start walking through this um, together. But before we do, I want to read a passage from Matthew chapter four because it sets the stage for, for Jesus's sermon. It says in Matthew chapter four, verse 23, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, uh, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Jesus here is preaching about uh, the kingdom. The kingdom has been defined as God's reign uh, through God's people in God's place. And if you read this passage, you notice three things that Jesus is doing. Um, Jesus is teaching, Jesus is preaching, and Jesus is healing. Right? Jesus is teaching, Jesus is preaching, and Jesus is healing. He's giving pic a picture of the kingdom uh, to all who will listen. And so that is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. He begins in the Sermon on the Mount by painting a picture of an upside-down world. Within the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about a number of practical things um, that are applicable to you and to me. The Sermon on the Mount talks about those who are blessed by God. It, it addresses how to deal with anger and lust in life. Jesus addresses marriage and money he talks about how we should treat and respond uh, to people that we hate, and he teaches us how to pray. Jesus offers uh, advice and wisdom for handling our anxiety. You ever have that before? Hello? He covers how to build a house and even how to pick out good fruit. It's in there. You'll see it. In other words, his message is poignant and practical it's awe-inspiring and authoritative. It's a picture of life in the kingdom of God. It's the greatest sermon ever preached. He delivered it both to his followers and, the, and to those who had gathered to hear uh, the one who had caused such a commotion. And uh, he delivered it uh, to you and to me. It's found uh, in Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles and have not 
turn there. I would encourage you uh, to do that now. These uh, are the very words of Jesus. Uh, Jesus says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit uh, the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, uh, not one iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others uh, to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said uh, that you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is uh, angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. Uh, first, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than have your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It was also said, who also, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. 
But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, nor it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Uh, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he uh, sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect uh, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face 
that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in earth in heaven where neither moth nor rust uh, destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, you cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, uh, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew chapter 7. I judge not, lest you... Uh, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things uh, to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. 
Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor uh, can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying uh, these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Would you pray with me? Uh, God, I thank you for uh, your living and active word. I thank you for the authoritative uh, words that have come from you. I thank you that they are trustworthy and they are true. God, as we begin this adventure together over the course of the next few months, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Show us a way of life and a way of living that is winsome and compelling uh, in a world that is increasingly uh, agnostic uh, to you. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.